Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Peter Magnus from Throw Capital, a crowdsourced funding organization for sports and entertainment. With the help of anyone who wants to contribute, the group backs athletes or performers that might have otherwise not had the chance to break into their field. We talk about this new company and some examples of early projects. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. This is Henry and Mike. Hi there. And today our guest is Peter Magnus from Thrill Capital. Um, Thrill Capital is kind of an interesting company. It kind of defies classification. So I guess we'll just let him explain it. So Peter, thanks for um, speaking with us. And do you want to just describe Thrill Capital um, in a sentence or two just to, just to start us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks very much for having me. Thrill Capital is essentially a crowdfunding platform for sports and entertainment. So we enable sports fans or entertainment fans to invest in something that's close to their hearts uh, and help support up-and-coming talent. Is this... uh is it a relatively new company, or are you? Um... Yeah, so crowdfund. Um, so, so Thrill Capital was born out of my business partner over in, in New Zealand, David Tomlinson. He is very. He's a massive motorsports fan, and he saw Justin Wilson, who, who was a Formula One driver back in two thousand and three, raise the money required to to have a seat with Minardi um, by crowdfunding, and. David then replicated that with a young New Zealand driver called John O'Lester, who's, who's currently competing in Japan, um, and we successfully raised half a million New Zealand dollars for him to enable him to go over and, and race in Japan. And happy to say he, he's doing quite well. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's where it kind of originated from. Okay, so that, that, the, the, the John O'Lester prog- um, project, that was kind of the, the first big project that Thrill Capital undertook? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a half a million dollar raise, uh, New Zealand dollar, and yes, and that is um, that. That was the first thing that was. David was involved with that prior to me joining with Thrill Capital. So, um, but obviously that he sold me on the whole concept based on that that um, fundraising effort. So, right. before we kind of go further, can you just describe? what crowdfunding is and kind of like some of its origins for people who might not be familiar with it? Sure. I guess um, it's funny. Uh, the, the best example I can give of crowdfunding is actually something that's undertaken by the vast majority of governments throughout the world. Um, and it is essentially tax collection <laughs> is perhaps a very simplified um, illustration of, of the origins of crowdfunding. But it's really something that, that, that in recent years has been pushed by, by a company over in the U.S. who, as an alternative method of raising finance for, for a business, for a project, for an idea, as opposed to going to venture capitalists or investment banks or, or regular banks. And I think it's really taken off uh, as a direct result of the taps being effectively turned off by the banks. Um, this is really kind of perfect timing as it's, as it's given a, a real boost to the whole movement. And I think also there's, there's a particular kind of uh, mindset amongst perhaps largely the sort of tech um, community, uh, you know, young tech startup community that are, that are fairly anti-banks these days. And this is an idea, or even anti-VC, where, you know, if, if a VC comes and invests in, in, in a project, they they you pretty much take the whole thing over um, in a very simple 
so that's very sim- simplified actually maybe not say that <laughs> but um, uh, yeah so typically in an angel investment for example where one person would take a large stake in a, in a small business with crowdfunding an entrepreneur attack, attracts a crowd of people each of whom takes a, a small stake in that business and then that, I guess, here it's important to, to to point to a distinction in crowdfunding, which is the difference between equity crowdfunding and pledge or reward-based crowdfunding. And I think in the U.S. to date, equity crowdfunding is illegal, so there's only ever been the pledge or, or reward-based crowdfunding over in the U.S., um, whereas in the U.K. the picture is, is slightly easier or more complicated depending on your perspective but it's easier essentially to go out there and, and do an equity crowd raise um yeah. so do you deal primarily with equity or reward we are looking at both um i think there are a myriad of more complications around um equity crowdfunding because especially if you have projects that overlap jurisdictions right so you're then getting involved with the scc you're getting involved with the fsa and if you go beyond beyond those two, which is complicated enough, <laughs> then it gets even even trickier. But um, certainly, we we launched our our, our pledge based platform. Thrill Pledge um, was actually sort of a soft launch last week um, with a number of New Zealand based sports projects on there, and um, we're currently just putting on some UK projects this week and next week with a view to sort of generating a bit more publicity off the back of it once we've we've got a few projects up on there and, and the, the sort of the ball's rolling, if you like. Um, how, do you, uh, how do you select the projects that you kind of take aboard on your... On okay, your so with, with Thrill Pledge, um, really, we're not... Unless the project is just ridiculous, we're not going to reject it out, out hand because basically we take the view that crowdfunding... As the name suggests, the crowd will decide whether it's a project that's viable or or realistic or something that's going to be of interest. So really, we've sort of taken that decision out of our hands and and letting you, the people, decide um, whether the under-11 football team that needs to raise five grand to, to, to pay for their sports kit and their minibus transportation every week is a worthy cause um or you know and so with 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 thrill capital and the equity crowdfunding it's diff it's different and yes there, there will be certain criteria we'll be looking very very closely at the management structure and also of the of the fund you know their funding to date and projected figures etc it'll be much more sensible and much more based on a on current financial models but i think with thrill pledge it's 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 basically the project will stand or fail on its own merit so so thrill thrill pledge um excuse me is more of like a a rewards based thing maybe a little bit more um maybe a bit more familiar i suppose as a as a model but thrill capital is more of an investment type thing would you say like are are contributors expecting to get financial rewards or is it still more about the absolutely if, if we if we take the, the racing driver that um that we put a fund together for um that is based on basically you're buying shares in him and it's a closed-end 10-year fund there's an opportunity for the driver to buy out the fund um at, at twice the, the money invested so investors get a return and the driver is not stuck indefinitely 
um, having to give away X percentage of, of, of his winnings or his earnings. So, but yes, and, and there, there has to be a really clear likelihood of success in terms of, of, the, of his ability or of, of the project's viability. So otherwise, you know, you're offering essentially shares in a project that's, that's you know, worthless or you're never going to see your money back. But of course, it's sport and <laughs> you can't take anything for granted in sport. So there is an inherent risk in any sports investment. Nothing, you know, you, you can invest in Manchester United or you can assume that they're going to qualify every year for the Champions League or they're going to get out of their group in the Champions League every year. And look at what happened last year. They didn't and it cost them about £30 million. That's life. And it's you know it's not you can if you look at every other year over the past fifteen years they've qualified from their group you know et cetera et cetera but they forecast their their um their budget on the assumption that they would qualify from their group and they didn't and there was a there was a big twenty five million pound hole i think um so you know sports an inherently risky investment and we we want to make that very very clear we don't want you betting you know investing your life savings in 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 a 20 year old new zealand racing driver or or a you know a young um guy competing in in motor racing over in the uk or wherever it may be it's it's there has to be some you know caveat here which is this you should be doing this because you're passionate about the sport you're passionate about supporting up-and-coming talent and yes whilst you you're looking for a return on that investment primarily it's because you want a piece of the action and um you want to get involved in it in, in a way that brings you closer to that action so i, I think that's interesting because so many people will place bets on sports and while this isn't a bet i think it's it's something that that people will be a whole lot more interested in than a traditional type of Investment. I mean, exactly. it's, it's much more interesting than, than investing in, I don't know, shares of a, a traditional company. Um, yeah, we, we, we talked with um, actually a race track, horse racing track over in uh, New Jersey um, in the summer. And the way they saw it was as a means of engaging with their fans, engaging with the audience um, on a different level than betting and gambling and increasing footfall through the turnstiles. Um, so actually getting people up off out their chairs and, and getting them down to the racetrack on a, on a wet and windy Saturday afternoon because they're, they, they're feeling like, you know, it's like if you're, even if it's a nominal investment, if you own 0.1% of, of, uh, you know, a, a horse or you own the, you know, typically you, you buy a sort of a, a hoof or a hind leg of a racehorse. You know, real, you know, realistically, unless you, you get very lucky, um, that horse is never going to, um, you're not going to make millions off that horse. You, people do, you get very lucky and, and you invest in the next, you know, red rum or Frankel or whatever and then you're laughing. But <laughs> really, it's more just about getting a bit closer to the action, getting more involved, having that deeper connection with the sport about which you're passionate. And um, and yeah, it's a, it's a... It's a, perhaps a more healthy alternative to gambling. So, yeah, so I, I'm starting to understand kind of the value proposition for people who are investing in, mm-hmm. in the athletes or race car drivers or whatnot. But what about from your guys' perspective? Like, how do you, the company kind of function and make, or like, what is the goal of the company to, is it to kind of be really good at selecting people? Um, that are going to go um, go places, or like, do you guys charge people a fee to kind of use your service? 
Yeah, so we there's a fee for um, which is a set percentage of um, money raised, whether that's on the on the pledge platform or on the on the, on the Thrill Capital platform, which is sort of between five and seven percent. Um, which compared to uh, to other platforms out there is is there or thereabouts. Some charge more, um, none none charge less. Um, but um, yeah, we think that's fair. We don't want a sort of sliding scale or <laughs> taking a percentage of revenue raised. Um, but um, also, typically, in, with regards to equity crowdfunding, there's an opportunity for additional revenue streams around actually deal preparation and that sort of thing. So more typically, like a uh, a broker or, or, or a, um, you know putting together the investment memorandum and that sort of thing. Um, and long term, we are keen to we're developing partnerships at the moment with sports management companies, with a view to getting you know partly with a view to getting personalities involved, not unnecessarily on a financial level, but if, for example, you were crowdfunding to 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 twenty or thirty percent of a NASCAR team, and a high profile sports or entertainment personality happened to own. One percent of that same team. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to go down to the pub and say, you know, I own a piece. I own a piece of the same team as David Beckham, or you know, or, or, or um, Brad Pitt, or whoever it may be. It's bragging rights, but also more long term. Uh, there's obviously the, the 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 project generation that can come out of um, working with sports consultancies and that sort of thing. So. Um, in the U.S., we're looking. See, crowdfunding is interesting because with sports teams as opposed to individuals, I see a viability in kind of minor leagues as opposed to the Premier Premier leagues. So, if you look at the NFL, the NBA, the NHL in the U.S., that's the only, there's, the only sort of vague example of it over the, over in the U.S. is the Green Bay Packers, which even then it's it's not quite the same but typically the green bay packers um you know when, when you're born um it, it's a sort of uh you, you get you know you go out and your father will buy your share in the team um and the share price and the share value would rarely go up or down it's, it's more just a kind of sort of a nice certificate to stick up in the hallway of your house or your bathroom or whatever but mm-hmm. um we see in the minor leagues and we see much more viable um options there for um, investing in smaller teams and increasing um, attendance, increasing marketing, increasing the value, basically. Um, and over in the UK, again, entry into the premiership you know, is hundreds of millions of pounds um, plus. So you could look at, there's been a crowdfunded football team in the UK called Ebbs Fleet United, uh, and they successfully raised with, I think, about 5,000 investors or, or it was a few years ago now, and they have a very funny system whereby every single decision is voted upon. So the team lineup is voted upon, whether someone gets a, a raise is voted upon, what colour strip to wear is voted upon, etc., etc. So they've kind of taken it to an extreme. And I, I guess the most famous crowdfunded football team is, is, again, and it's not quite accurate, but Barcelona. So Barcelona have 150,000 members or socios who pay an annual membership fee and that's where 
uh, you know, a fairly large percentage of their revenue every year comes from. They don't have voting rights, um, but, well, they vote for a president and then the president acts for a fi fixed term, uh, uh, you know, on their behalf, theoretically, or he runs on a platform and uh, represents their interests on behalf of the socios or the members. So there's, there's a multitude of different models that it can go, and I think it's a very new concept for people. But I think what's interesting is what's happening, and I keep coming back to the US, even though it's a New Zealand company and I'm based in the UK, <laughs> so it's a bit complicated. But with the Jobs Act um, in, in the US, so I don't know if your listeners are aware, the, the Jobs Act was passed by Obama um, earlier this year and, and it stands for Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act. Um, and essentially it, it changes the way in which um, companies or projects can go about soliciting investors. Uh, it's currently in a, undergoing a consultation process with the SEC, and the long and the short of it is that it will it will mean that you will actively be able to go and advertise to investors. In what form that will take is yet to be determined, and, and pretty much it won't be everyone. It won't be you know every mum and pop. Um, in in small town America, or, or you know, it'll be accredited. What's known as accredited investors, so people who earn um, above and uh, beyond a certain amount per year, and who have above and beyond a certain amount of money and savings, um, who are generally regarded as more savvy investors, I suppose. Um, but that still opens up the market to many, many millions more people. And I mean, the idea of being able to to, to put a platform publicize a platform and to put deals out there um, and to advertise for investment is something that's not happened so far. Yeah, I think, I think that's the key enabler is um, kind of the ability we have now for, for virtual congregation, I suppose, like, like social networks or just, just the ability to communicate with a lot of people um, and to kind of almost aim the crowd uh, or aim at a specific crowd anyway. Um, and so that, that I think is only going to grow. So, do you see do you see this as as something like crowd crowdfunding of uh, of of sports in general? Do you see do you see this as something that will like grow to have I guess a profound impact on like on the Premier League or on the NFL or do you do you see this as something that's better suited to like the like the minor leagues or like more more I guess niche uh, markets? Yeah, I think initially it's it's going to be from the bottom up. So I think it will um, appeal to people who would consider themselves wealthy, um, but who are locked out of of playing with the big boys. I mean, you know, Premier League is is not even a millionaires' club anymore; it's a billionaires' club. So um, the idea of getting entry there is is you know a long way off. Although it's interesting, I mean, you know, there's a big group of supporters, Man United supporters trust, who are very keen to to, to push out the Glazers. And and if, if we could crowdfund a raise of two billion pounds or so, <laughs> we could do it. But yes, I think initially it's going to be very localized. I think what you're seeing in in other niche platforms that are developing both in the UK and and, and abroad is that projects are very much. Um, the projects that are successful are touching upon local groups of people. So, for example, we're on our platform. We're looking to raise money for a 
New Zealand water skier, that's not going to appeal to anyone outside of New Zealand, really. Um, unless you're particularly, you know, super keen water skier and super passionate about it, it's it's unlikely. So that's a sort of, you know, I don't want to use New Zealand as, as being a, a very localized, I mean, relative to the rest of the world, it's a pretty localized kind of market. So, but at, over time, we're bringing on projects now that, that are not UK focused. Um, for example, we're talking to a, a project that, um, that is a, it's a charitable um, fundraising effort. But it's the charities that they represent are global. So um, there you have the idea that um, it could be open and attractive to anybody um, around the world. But to come back to your idea of sports teams, yeah, definitely. I think um, if, if, if we look at um, you know, minor league baseball teams in, 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 in Midwestern USA, that's really going to have a very small geographic appeal in terms of the investors that you want to get on board, except um, if it's packaged and dressed up in such a way that it is viewed more as an investment proposition um, than a passion proposition. You know, you'll have your fans, you'll have your localized fan base and your localized support, but... I guess this is where where the evolution will take place is that being able to go out and 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 put together an attractive investment opportunity in a sports team wherever it's based um and be able to say we can bring a management team to the table who can increase revenue increase footfall increase marketing increase advertising increase you know TV revenue etc 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 then you start it starts going beyond being a purely localized of, of purely localized interest, then it just becomes another investment, which would be attractive to again to anybody, whether they were in Cornwall or whether they were in you know south of Spain. Um, so I guess at the moment it's kind of it, it's difficult. I, I know what you're trying to ask, but it's difficult to see how it's going to evolve. We, we have you know we have certain ideas and, and, and certain plans and, and we're looking at developing partnerships and networks with people um, in North America and South America and Europe um, and over in, in New Zealand and Australia and being able to I, I suppose even put together a fund that covered a basket of sports. So again you're then you're spreading the risk across Baseball, basketball, football. Um, a mutual fund kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I think is something, you know, again, with the ability to go out and advertise and, and, and solicit investment in a way that, that to date you just really haven't been able to do. Um, again, that comes back to the power of the internet. This is why crowdfunding has really, has really taken off, is social media, um, which is... Why I think you know legislation again is playing catch up slightly as it often does with with tech and um, you know the fast moving pace of, of technological developments. It's you know Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, these things, YouTube. These things are game changers because I can post a video on YouTube and it can get seen by people in China in in, in two minutes time, mm-hmm. which you know five years ago was just uh, five ten years ago was just beyond comprehension so it's yeah it's a real game changer and it's going to open doors to opportunities that i don't even think we're that are clear yet really yeah i just um i just thought of one example uh just kind of popped into my mind you may be aware of it the the u.s speed skating team was um uh for last winter olympics was a bit short on cash and i think that was a crowd funded uh effort um 
that was kind of pushed forward by a, a, like a Stephen Colbert. I don't know. I, I think that's right. Do you okay. remember Mike? Or? I think I remember hearing something about that. But like yeah. a, uh, along the same lines, do you have like sports is one avenue for this, but like there's obvious applications in something like entertainment or something or kind of music or finding the next, next best artist. Like, is that something um, that's already yeah. out there or you guys have explored and just decided to stick with it's sports? Something, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, sports is, is, is the main focus, but we're also interested in entertainment. Um, and we're actually doing a, you know, we're looking at a very fun project that's a kind of a Top Gear related um, adventure tour over in South America. Um, there's going to be a documentary, and 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 I guess part of the reward is is getting involved in the project and, and getting a, a seat, winning a seat potentially on on the project. So. Yeah, there are certain platforms that are beginning to, like I said, I mean, crowdfunding, the original crowdfunding platforms were very generic, everything to everyone. And and now we're starting to see niche platforms develop and, and sort of own and occupy space. And, and uh, there are some platforms in the US that are very much focused on films um, and music and yeah, we're keen. To, we're you know we, we've been speaking to people um, in London. It'd be great. We, we'd love to get involved in a, in a film project. We think there's a lot of mileage in that. I think particularly in London, um, you know, you have lots of interesting sort of gritty urban low budget projects. Typically, the best films actually, I think, and yeah, not not all, but the best films that have come out of the UK over the past ten years are, are very often low budget films. Um, they're not the big blockbusters. Uh, so yeah, crowdfunding certainly has an application there. Are there, uh, are there, or what, what sorts of projects do you have going on right now? If we were to, to go check out the website on either, either pledge or capital. Right. So uh, through capital, there, there are no projects online because we're doing things kind of behind closed doors at the moment, uh, given the various legislations and, and jurisdictions in which we're operating. Yeah, it's not to say anything that we're doing is illegal. <laughs> I'll just clarify that. I just, um, it's just that um, until things are firmly in place. Um, but at the moment in New Zealand, we are raising money for a triathlete. We're raising money for a water skier. We're raising money for someone who's competing um, in horse eventing trials. Okay. Um, over in the UK, yet to go live, um, but but we'll be going live sort of next week. We have a, a young UK sailor who's competing over in, <coughs> excuse me, competing over in France um, in a in a championship, and we also have a young, very young um, go karting driver who is he's fourteen and he's competing, just finished competing in his first year at the under seventeen. Uh, it's called K2 Championships. And just to give you an idea, he's, he's up against um, obviously much older guys for one, but there, there are three guys in his championship who are representing Force India, uh, and their budget for the year between the three of them is a million pounds. Wow. <laughs> so he needs 50,000 pounds to uh, compete. Yeah. But, you know, even then, £50,000 up against three guys with a budget of a million, it's still a tough, tough ask. But he's, he's, he's called Ronan McKenzie. He's, very, he's a young guy, very super, super passionate about, about karting. His parents drive him up and down, back and forth across the country. Um, 
and uh, that's that's something that you know people you know this guy could be the next Lewis Hamilton, next Jensen Button in in four or five years time. He's he's very very good, very highly rated, and that's something you know people can really. Imagine if you can look back in four or five years' time and and say, you know, I helped that kid on his way. Um, it's that's quite a an emotive opportunity for people who are motor racing fans. Yeah, great. Uh, so, what what are those? Just for our listeners, what are those websites to uh, to look at? What are the addresses? Oh, sure. Okay. So, the pledge site is thrillpledge.com. Simple. Yeah, and thrillcapital.com. Great. And uh, are there any Twitter handles or, or any other things that? Yeah. So we've we've got um, so there's me, which is uh, Peter Macnes, um, and then there is also there are Thrill Capital and Thrill Pledge Twitter handles as well. Great. Um, and we have a, a group on LinkedIn called um, Crowdfunding Sports as well. Okay. Well, we'll put uh, we'll put links to all those on our website as well. Um, well, thank you. It's been, I think it's been an interesting conversation. So um, thanks for your Great. time and um, wish you all the best with your projects. And that is the episode. Thank you, Peter. And thanks, listeners, for listening. We'll put those links on our website, uh, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.